0: welcome to Medicine in the Kitchen, where we empower you with simple solutions to everyday health concerns. Welcome back to Medicine in the Kitchen, episode 29. Once again, I'm Felicia.
1: And I'm Yasuo, your guides to empowered health.
0: Today, we're going to be talking about stories and how they affect our health.
1: Some of you guys might be wondering, why stories? I mean, how is that even related to health? Honestly, you would be surprised. I mean, stories have been with us since like the before humans learned to read and write. It's how we interacted with one another. It's how we taught children, scribes and priests told stories of religious st- affairs and heroic tales in order to gain like more audience and to teach people morals, which was one of the key important stuff about humanity. And along with that, it created imagination and creativity, which is something. That you don't see a lot in other animals. It's mostly, I think, a, a human thing, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, some animals show creativity. I remember learning in, in psychology, like, there's a... I can't remember what kind of... It might be, a, it might be the crow. Uh, I don't know. There's some kind of bird that, like, builds its own tools, mm-hmm. which is creative, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't know animals that tell stories, so... That's no, a
1: lot of them have to, like, learn as they go, right?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a part of health. And even, like, the stories we tell ourselves, and we've talked in the past about the mind affecting affecting our health so much. So, the stories we tell ourselves about, the about our health and, like, what we're exposed to, it definitely has a huge impact.
1: Of course. It totally does. I mean, and it's also a form of leisure which it targets a multiple multiple different areas so like you have the people that do the enjoyment of reading either to relax or to escape the reality or whatever you have the people that draw for the stories or they create their own stories via drawings the people that write the stories the people that interpret the stories and those that perform it without stories creativity and imagination we wouldn't have music we wouldn't have anything aesthetically pleasing we wouldn't have drama we wouldn't have so many things and I mean yeah we'll go into the science of it a little bit but I think it's important to start with like why stories are so important to us
0: yeah I think that's a that's a great place to start and I think like stories being passed down and I also always kind of wonder about where the stories we like where our creative stuff comes from like I guess that's kind of getting into spiritual stuff and it's a whole other tangent. But... That's a whole lot
1: of the of words too. But like I was gonna say, sometimes it has some spiritual aspects to it.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I feel
1: that it's part of our imagination and creativity that and our need to explain things, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it helps. It helps to have an explanation for things.
1: It does. It really does. I mean, like we've stated before, we talked about imagination, creativity, another factor that we haven't really touched upon, which actually is more than one, but we will go through as we get there. Empathy. Humans are mm-hmm. super empathetic. And it's one of the major things we learn through stories. We learn to see things from other people's perspective,
0: mm-hmm. which is crucial
1: for humanity overall.
0: Yes. That in itself makes it like so important for healing.
1: Honestly, what I learned throughout my whole research is, be a bookworm. You you make the world a better place, I swear.
0: <laughs> it's true. It's true, yeah. People who read stories are, I think, I remember going through a, a study, a couple studies, where they found that people who read more, like fiction, are more empathetic, which makes sense.
1: I mean... I was going to say that little tidbit for later, but you brought it up. So it's perfect. (laughs) Um, So I don't know how many of our listeners have grown up reading Harry Potter. Definitely me. There we go. So there's actual research published by Applied Social Psychology that children who grew up reading J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series actually show um, that they're more likely to reduce prejudice towards minority groups. That includes race, gender, and sexuality interesting yeah Jane actually was the one that brought that up for me I was like whoa this is so much like oh my god I was so excited
0: that's super interesting because even like as I think about the Harry Potter series like I don't think race or minority groups was really I guess magic people in general or maybe a minority group but like yes and no
1: my sister, like literally, and like she and I sat down to discuss a few things and we broke it down. Mm-hmm. We're talking about pure bloods, mug, muggles, and we're talking about like the um, mud bloods.
0: Uh, right? Okay.
1: So then, like, if you consider that as in race, you have, I don't want to use colors or any other racial identifications, but you have one race and then you have the other race and then you have the, those who are a mix of both or like children who show. Traits of the other race, but are not of that race uh, If you kind of get where I'm going at,
0: Yeah and the yeah, same thing yeah, can yeah. be applied
1: to sexuality and different things, so there's a lot of that, and then you have like parcel tongue, so people who speak a different language or are slightly different than you, ooh, suddenly you have to be scared of them. but Harry Potter spoke parcel tongue, and he's not bad. he's technically a hero. Yeah, right?:
0: Oh, yeah. And the cool thing about reading in general, but like, as I'm thinking about Harry Potter is like you get to get in the minds of all like the author brings you into the minds of all of these characters. So even when there's a character that like maybe doesn't do good things or isn't the type of person you would expect, like, again, it goes back to there's an explanation for it and you're like, Oh, okay. I guess that kind of makes sense. And it,
1: goes back to that empathy again. So stories are kind of like the central of human cognition and communication. And so we engage through stories and we can give out facts and events, whether real or not real, like let's say King Arthur stories. It's an accumulation of multiple stories of different kings and rulers. And they're just like, you know, something, let's all put it all together under Arthur and like give it a nice fancy little thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're automatically drawn to these stories because I mean some of us didn't grow up in England some of us have different beliefs different things yet boom we are drawn to king arthur stories right yeah and we all interpret the meaning of these uh, stories to better understand ourselves and others because we do put ourselves in their shoes
0: mhm i wonder if cuz i'm thinking like we talked about there being research to show that reading improves empathy and we know that, like, the oral tradition, passing stories down, you kind of just talked about that, having empathy. I wonder if, like, because I find quite a few people don't read as much today. They more, like, watch shows on TV. I'm wondering if that has the same effect on empathy. I haven't really looked at Yes and no. The
1: like, I haven't. It's slightly different because you're no longer using your imagination, right? So things are being acted out for you versus mm-hmm. you having to think, yes, it does help that you have actions and stuff. Because even in, back when we first started doing this, we didn't only just talk. We had like singing and dancing and stuff like that that also helped. But um, we become more passive versus actively thinking about it. Like as I was doing my research, it talked about how we're more captivated about somebody talking telling us the story than reading because hearing is so crucial for our survival because if we don't listen for the rustling in the trees, an animal can come out and attack us, right? So that hearing is crucial part versus reading. So reading is important because aside from it, having a whole like developmental thing that is written in my notes and way further down, it also helps with like the imagination process. I don't know about you, but when I read, I, I, well, especially if it's like stories, I lose track of time of how many pages, chapters I've gone through because it becomes more like a film in my head or a TV show. Like I can actually see things happening instead of actually realizing what I'm reading. So people tend to do that a lot more when we're reading or when somebody's telling us a story, we can just get in our head. This is why podcasts, songs, TED Talks are so much more entertaining. Because it's all like talking, giving us a visual that we can create in our own minds and put ourselves in other people's shoes through like, I mean, yes, like YouTube and things we see on TV does help because we can mirror stuff. We can learn through it. So like, yes, this is why tutorials are so great. You may not excel at the skill right away, but you already did something you learned it through somebody else. It's not like the animals that, you know, oh, they see fire. One of them touches it. They get burned. And then the other ones have to do the same thing in order to understand. We see a human stick their hand in the fire and they get burned. We're like, oh, fire bad. Let's not do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then those who weren't there, they can pass that information on to somebody else and be like, yeah, so so so-and-so stuck their hand in the fire. It's bad. They got burned. And they're like, okay, let's not do that. So like, there's a lot of that. And, yeah, through the visuals, we learn a bit more, but we are constantly a bit more passive. And the stories that we see a lot more on TV nowadays tend to be more aggressive. So there's not so much that the whole morale. They don't always follow the... Well, I think it was Campbell's theory of, like, the hero's journey. Like, the whole... I will break that down later, of starting from a status quo and changing which also relates to Plato's Allegory of the Cave, we just become the slaves in the cave who are just watching that wall instead of being willing to get up and go outside.
0: Mm. Okay, now you're going to have to explain some things. So sure. Plato's... So the hero's journey... Allegory of the Cave. Plato's Allegory of the Cave. I, do you think now is a good time to kind of go through those? Sure, sure. I can
1: totally break them up. Okay, so the Hughes journey it comes from Campbell's. Oh, I might as well give you his full name because I had to look him up at one point, and when I looked up Campbell, the soup showed up. <laughs> um, Joseph Campbell. So he is a well, was an American professor of literature, and he focused mostly on comparative mythology and comparative religions. So he broke down many religions. I don't know if many of you guys have noticed that a lot of religions have similar themes and stories and their gods and all that stuff and same with mythologies and legends they all tend to share very similar stories and patterns and then my sister so nicely put it even some of my favorite novels like sand novels tends to have that and the star wars saga actually says that they took some of the information about the hero's journey and that's what made their story so important So you start in the ordinary world, uh, number zero, where is the status quo. So you're pretty much living like everybody else. And then the first stage is the call to adventure. So you have something or someone, something happens, and the hero, generally a male, has to leave. And then the second part is there's a supernatural aid. So the supernatural aid could be Merlin or, oh, what's his name? Mm Obi-Wan that comes up. Or in Sam have the great magician Humphrey. Somebody, usually an old male, wizard-like, comes and tells the hero, you know, let's go. I will train you. We'll do things. So then there's this third stage, which is the crossing crossing of the threshold. Here is where you start entering the special world or the spiritual realm or whatever you want to call it. This is where they actually leave and they go through the whole training. Then stage four is the road of trial. So as they learn, They have to go through different things, whether it's mastering a technique, fighting a monster. Um, Sometimes it's also encountering usually a witch or another evil wizard, or if anybody's read Princesses Bamar, there is a dragon. So you learn something from these enemies, but at the same time, it helps you grow, and you choose the right and wrong, the good and bad kind of thing. Then you have number five, the approach. So you start dealing with things and you're like, oh, I think I'm ready to move on to the next stage and fight who I need to fight. Number six is usually the ordeal where you fight somebody else or you actually need to reach the final stages. Number seven is the reward. You are like completely mastered the force. You are almost on your journey. You think you got it all. Then um, number eight is your big fight. So the magic fight. Usually there's, you know, the huge everything. There's lights, there's explosions, there's magic. This is where Luke, you know, fights Darth Vader and he's like, I'm your father. Yes, this is the part. And he still chooses, you know, to do the right thing. Number nine, you return. So usually you have to say goodbye to your magical friends and then you go back to your normal world. Number 10 is actually in the ordinary world now. So is the resurrection. So the hero is no longer a hero. He is now back to being himself. But at the same time, he's still different. So you're no longer just you, but you're no longer a hero either. You're a new version of yourself. Mm. And number 11 is resolution. So when you're, you're like, yeah, you know something? I am a new me, but I'm okay living in my old world just being slightly different or you know you choose a new place and you're happy being a new you in a new place so that's the hero's journey which you see a lot in mythologies and legends you see it everywhere usually a really good story especially if it's hero-based has this
0: honestly as you're as you were going through the stages it sounds very similar to a healing journey it is and it's, it's so cool because yeah, that's like, those are the steps to healing that people go through.
1: And when you think about it, if we're talking about stories, myths, and legends, and everything else being related to health and how it crucially was for passing information from one human to another, and for future generations, there's going to be a lot of information in our stories that we consciously or subconsciously are absorbing hmm so maybe you know they decided to make the hero's journey as a way of saying this is what you're gonna do in order to fight your disease
0: yeah or really like right? life in general it's like it's like a roadmap to life and we're all heroes
1: yeah yeah like that's the whole point is you you are your own hero now mm-hmm. the allegory of the cave this is a bit more philosophical so it is not as black and white as the hero's journey mm-hmm. and that one if you guys want to read it is in the a book wr- written by Campbell i think it's a hero of a thousand faces he discusses it a, lo- a lot more detail than them or you can also watch on netflix myths and monsters and it's a little older but whatever still great And the first episode actually talks about the hero's journey and gives you, like, examples of King Arthur and other, like, myths. They kind of sum it up and show you that, yes, we see it everywhere in every culture. Mm -hmm. Now, the allegory of the cave is um, Plato, but he's quoting Socrates. Socrates is the one that's telling the stories. And in real life, he was sentenced to death for disrupting social order, because that was his goal in life, to make people think outside the box, aka imagination and creativity. I mean, even I sense like, you know, imagination is more important than knowledge. Um, So what he's trying to explain here is, so you have a cave, and in this cave, you have criminals all sitting down facing this one wall of the cave. Behind them, there's like, um, like a little stage and there's like a little fire so they can, people can walk around with little puppets and just move back and forth and they're carrying things or there's a donkey walking, whatever. So pretty much, let's say these slaves are watching a movie with no sound, no nothing. Well, some I sound because you hear people walking back and forth, but all you see is these little shadows. There is nothing holding the prisoners down nothing telling them they can't turn around, nothing saying they can't get up, nothing at all. But they are all just staring at a wall because that's what you do. Kind of like the science experiment where you know somebody suddenly starts up and sits down and then like every minute or so, they stand up and sit down and people who come in start repeating the pattern because that's what you do. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. similar
1: to that. So, um, and further back those things in the cave, there's actually a way out of the cave where there's sunlight, nature, and everything. I'm assuming there's humans outside because, you know, there's people playing their little puppet show. So there must be humans out there. And so um, one of the slaves, I mean, prisoners, actually gets up and is like, okay, let's see what's out there. while everybody else is like, oh, I think, you know, that guy's got like a book. It's like, well, how do you know it's a book? Well, it looks like a book right? And then people are like, but you don't know it's a book. It could be a box. All you're seeing is shadows. You're assuming, just like you're assuming that you're forced to sit there. Well, this guy's like, okay, I'm done. I'm getting out. So he gets out, he goes and he sees sunlight and he's like, oh my God, there's something else. Also, he gets blinded because he's always been inside because apparently the blinding of the sunlight reflects on how humans think and stuff and how, when you hit that point, of revelation, you're kind of blinded and shocked, and then afterwards you're like, "Okay, I can move on with my life." Mm-hmm. And he comes back and tries to get people to like come out, but they're like, "No, I can't." So it's kind of like the hero's journey, where like you come back, you're not yourself—the whole resurrection thing. Kind of similar. Like it has a lot of theories, and a lot of people have explained it differently, but it's pretty much like talking about human perception and the the knowledge we gain through our senses are not always real. Like there's so much more and you have to like reason and process things and talk to other people because we all view things differently and we all like, we all have the same senses, but we all are different. So what I perceive as cold may be warm for you. Um, my point of view of a certain scenario, like a crime of passion, I might see it as a just plain murder, but you're like, no, this person had like all these things going for it. Yeah, maybe it's not 100% black and white. So it's like the whole point of the gray. It's not black and white, there's gray, and you have to see where in the gray spectrum you kind of are. And it talks a lot about the human soul. I know this is like, oh, very philosophical, and I'm pretty sure somebody could have explained this a lot better, but Socrates and Plato like to mess with your brain a little bit. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, that was, that was really good. And also, it really gets you thinking, like relating it back to health. A lot of people see that that moment, like that blinding moment. That's usually the point where people are like suffering the most with whatever. I mean, I guess in life in general, it doesn't even have to be like a disease, but that suffering, like a lot of people I think get stuck in like that blinding moment and it's like, ah, oh, I can't see, I can't see, like this is different. And then it's mm-hmm. like that. That moving past that and stories like the hero's journey, the stories that follow the hero's journey, or um, I always forget the Plato's cave thing. Of the cave. Allegory of the cave. Yeah. Um, like I, I think that really can help people can help point out that like, no, that's not the end. That's just the beginning of. The next stage
1: yeah yeah it's totally a lot about that and like um and one of our I think it was psychology of sports we kind of go through a similar pattern where you have different stages of people willing to start exercising so you have the people that don't consider it at all so don't even think about it then you have the person who thinks about it that's already like a huge step into wanting to exercise then you have the person that actually starts, to you know, not just thinking about it, but taking some action to start like going to say the why and asking for prices, looking online to see if there's online classes that they can do. Different things, that's already another huge step. Obviously, people can come back, go back, go forward. Like it's not just you move on to the next stage and that's it. No, people can move around these stages, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And then you
1: have the person who actually like, has their equipment and they're going. They started their first day, whatever it might be. It can be just simple as walking or squatting a couple of times. That's already another stage. And then you have the people that are like, you have your schedule and you're like, I'm gonna go Monday, Wednesday, Friday for an hour or 15 minutes or like five minutes. That's already another stage until you hit the stability stage where you see the people that are going there for the right time, doing the right activity, doing it properly. Like they're conscious of everything they need to do. Not just an exercise, but afterwards to replenish their energy and stay healthy. Obviously, like all of us, we all drift from those stages. And sometimes we can skip a few stages from going from just thinking about it to like being super committed. And like fall back down to like, eh, I'll go once or twice or I'll walk today. That's good enough for me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of these things that we can reflect back in the way stories are written.
0: Mhm. Yeah, until we've done this episode I never really realized well, yeah, stories are important in health but like the the impact of it and how how much the two are related. I mean,
1: stories in a way, you know, they help us learn a lot of things. Like let me um get to like this one section if I remember correctly. Okay, so like we're talking kind of like all about adults in a way and spiritual healing and actual healing and all these things. But for children, like it's super, super important because it's how they learn language. It's one of our primitive human instincts to just listen and copy in that way Mm -hmm. and to be like um, able to express all these things, right? So stories allow us to stimulate the senses, multiple senses at once and and it helps us like in the social aspect as well we're not just you know focusing in a book by like interacting with others we identify with the protagonist and children experience these things as if it's happening to them so the protagonist is fighting and fighting against this villain they're like oh my god yeah i'm fighting against this villain the protagonist fell down and i don't know broke their arm they're like oh my god my left arm hurts i broke that arm too so they're really fully emerged in the <clears throat> other person's shoes, which again, goes back to the empathy. And like, it's a whole emotional contrast, the happiness and sadness. I mean, comedy, as much as I love comedy, it does not survive time. It's a whole like time and place kind of thing, right? The things mm. that are funny for us right now may not be funny in the next couple of years, but definitely for the next generation, they won't get some of the stuff because it's not something that's there, Right. But like things like happiness, sadness, love, hate, fear, all that transcends time. This is why we still like Pride and Prejudice, North and South, *Persephone's and Hades, The Little Mermaid. All those stories tend to have emotions that we ourselves can feel even like right now and we can relate to all that, right? Yeah. And so, like, we're also teaching things to teach morals what is right and what is wrong without saying this is wrong, this is right. It's a character did this. Look at the consequence the character's experiencing. Do you really want to go through that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and like, I mean, there's also the whole children reading or hearing bedtime stories, help them relax and developing their imagination. And by developing their imagination, they start growing and experiencing the. The world into different things and allowing them to um, expand their horizons and not just, well, by thinking abstractly, they can be better people. They can imagine, they can create. I mean, humans are all about creation. So anything that creates motivates our mind and makes us focus. It also, by creating things, whether it's knitting, drawing, or whatever, it helps us focus our mind and allow for meditation. And it also teaches children how to cope with feelings, teaching them that, yeah, there's other children that also feel sad when this happens to them or teaching them, you know, um, when you hug somebody, well, obviously with consent, sometimes you get this nice, warm, fuzzy feeling, not just you, but the other person as well. And you can teach children how to brush their teeth properly. You can teach them a lot of different things, words, languages, numbers. Like there's so many other ways of doing stuff. It really, really helps them develop cognitively. Hmm. And by nurturing the mind, you create the ability to like help children be more confident in themselves. So like things like spending time outdoors, it like, if you did see the, the Netflix thing, we talk about the wild unknown, it's a similar thing. The child knows that you know, structure, the human structure is safe, but going out there, there's also all these other things. So you let them be creative about the environment, which then afterwards reflects back in an artistic way which can be applied to multiple aspects of our lives because we all need arts in our lives, whether we want to admit it or not. We wouldn't have anything aesthetic if we didn't have arts.
0: Mm-hmm. An inventing
1: scenario also like helps them develop social skills. And by playing different things like doctor, uh, mom, and dad, you get to play different roles, tell yourself different stories, and understand the person's behavior or job. And you're like, oh, I kind of like that. And through doing that, you're like, wait, I kind of want to do that too. I want to grow up and be that person, you know? Mm-hmm. So silly little things that we're like, eh, whatever. No, it actually does a lot of things. And like what we're saying with the art stuff, sculpture and stuff, that's a lot of hand and motor skills. So hand-eye coordination, it helps with the development of all that's that we really, really need. And you start sharing your questions and answers and you tell people stories. And so say a kid comes up to you and be like, so I ate this red pumpkin that was hanging off a tree. You're like, okay, okay sure, whatever. But if you actually be like, Oh really, what was it like? And they start expressing what they're thinking, how they're talking. You're teaching them. It's okay to express your feelings, to express what's on your mind, to find words to describe things. And like, say, you watch The Little Mermaid, or Sleeping Beauty, or Tarzan, and then you ask the kid, so what did you learn from it? Like in your own words, explain the story to me. You see what is key to them, how mm-hmm. they reflect themselves in certain patterns. So it's kind of going back to Carl Jung's archetype stuff. What things actually stick with you? What things you can resonate with and depending on what's going on in what state you are in your life? And how you interact with those characters.
0: Mm-hmm. You you talked about art and it being important. Um, I think yeah, I think a lot of, at least on this side of the world, a lot of us have like gone more toward mind things, and creativity is kind of taken a backseat. But mm-hmm. it's yeah, like without, I think art is like soul food and it's like you're it's more heart-centered which is yeah so important and we need it and kids I think are are very heart-centered um because it I feel like the all being in the mind comes from like learning and conditioning and so it's it's cool to see their perspective on a story like you were saying like asking the kid what, what, what spoke to you? And like, what, what was the story about? Because yeah, you got a totally different perspective.
1: And I feel it's a little bit, you know how um, kids sometimes make grammar mistakes? And you're like, that's wrong. But when you, they're ra- rationalizing, they're like, well, this is how you conjugate this. So therefore, you're going to conjugate this other word exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, 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 that's not how it's done. It's a similar thought process. So we may see things based on all the social norms and our morals and stuff like that where child comes. So it's like, but why would we do this when we can do this other thing? You're like, oh, wait, you kind of got a good point here. Why can't we do that? Right?
0: Yeah. And it's, I think it's so valuable when like uh, anyone who works with kids or like a parent is able to kind of put their preconceived notions aside a little bit. And I mean, that's, it's really a hard thing to do, but like, yeah. And understanding where, where the child is coming from. Cause yeah, they, kids don't just say things like there's, there's a reason for it. And it's usually not the reason you're expecting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you you say that it reminds me of something that happened
1: kind of to me as, as a child, although I don't have recollection of this, but my mom keeps bringing it up all the time. So when I was really young, my mom put me, like, in an art class with my teacher. Uh, I love him. He's great. And his wife is my ballet teacher. So, like, I always got to interact with both of them. And um, I don't know what we were making, but all I know is my mom always says I made either a sculpture or a little toy. And his arms were all wanky. And he looks so wrong. And my mom's like, "How? like, what is my child doing? This is so wrong. Like, why is that? Why is the human statue thing that she's trying to make, you know, not look like a human? It's kind of like, lumpsided, And the guy's like, no, no, no. Like, it's creativity. It's imagination. She's got that inside her. She just needs to refine it kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And mom's like, okay, sure, sure, whatever. This is coming from somebody who actually, you know, studies psychology. So even she had to take a step back and be like, okay, maybe, maybe you're right, but we'll see. We'll see. Like, she's couldn't fully believe it but him being in the art and seeing different children teaching different children of all ages is seeing the different stages is like well she's either ahead or behind or thinking outside the box there's something about i'm not just you know trying to make myself sound cool here and just like want to share the story to apply to other people and so like yeah it does i mean i draw i don't really have actual like art classes i just see things and I draw it because I want to I may not be as good as all my other friends but for somebody who's
0: never been taught I do pretty okay I'd I mean so.
1: that...
0: our, our amazing logo would say so
1: <laughs> thank you but like you know it can it can differ it can go into other things like I do dance which is a form of arts I do cakes whether you like it or not that is you know an artistic point of view I, not everybody can take, you know, a piece of bread and change it to look like a bunny, a car.
0: Yeah. I, I mean,
1: I've seen some amazing stuff online and I'm like, I can never do that, right? They look so realistic. I don't know if anybody else has seen those that You look at it and you're like, oh no, it's this. And then people take a bite of it and they're like, oh my God, right? Mm-hmm. So all that is art. Somebody had to nurture it for you when you were younger or inspire it. So it's a lot of that and like I was saying this is also for adults doing a little bit of creativity whether it's drawing one of those adult things knitting whatever it may be it will increase dopamine it focuses you gives you joy and it brings out that dopamine Mm -hmm. it also decreases dementia having that ability to do creativity and like imaginative abilities because it um it tasks back to certain things in your mind and your personalities, and it sharpens that sense. So it kind of reduces a bit of dementia. It makes you more happy. It decreases depression and isolation and targets your mind to focus, allowing it to continue to grow. So it, it's shown that it helps reduce dementia. Obviously, it's not proven, but it's shown that it's, there's a lot more cases of reduced dementia. It improves mental health because it allows us to meditate and increase dopamine. And that is an antidepressant that you don't have to take. The body creates it, right? Mm -hmm. it also helps reduce anxiety because you are focusing. And some people use it actually to heal and process trauma. The whole creativity and imagination allows you to do that.
0: Absolutely. And what I find interesting too is it's so much... It's easier to create when you're not in a state of, like, busyness. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I know myself when I'm super busy and running from one thing to the next and, like, end up in my head, it's harder It's harder to, like, have creative ideas. Um, but also, that's the most important time to sit down and be like, I need to do something creative.
1: Mm-hmm. and you would be surprised how many things are actually creative one of the things that showed up was gardening yeah you know like I wouldn't have thought as gardening as
0: creative no I I feel like it I mean yeah you're you're nurturing new life you're you're creating like you're planting a seed you're creating you're creating new things I I would see it as creative for sure
1: you're also like some people plan out their garden. You have to actually use the mental cognitive part of your brain for space and organization and do it all in your head and then put it down on paper if you want to put it down on paper as you like play around with the space. That's a lot of imagination and creativity.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you
1: do it with music, music connects the left and right brain a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm. But even just being outside and hearing like bird song and... And that's
1: kind of music in itself. hmm And, like, um, what was another thing that's part of it? Journaling. got like, we're talking about creativity, writing things down. Um, journaling, if you do it seriously, apparently some studies have shown that it strengthens your immune system. I'm yeah, not 100% well, sure how it works, but, well, like, also listening to music helps rejuvenate and improve your immune system.
0: Yeah, well, you would be reducing your cortisol levels, which has a suppressive effect on the immune system. So that makes sense to me.
1: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I didn't think about it that way. That's that is a really, really good way of putting it.
0: Hmm. And journaling too. I find that can be intimidating for some people.
1: Oh, Yeah. Same for me.
0: Yeah. Um, but I came across this, I went to a conference like years ago. And one of the activities was sit down in front of a piece of paper, pen to paper, and just write exactly what's on your mind. You're not allowed to lift the pen from the paper and you have to go for a certain amount of time. I think it was like two minutes or something. And I found that exercise so helpful because especially if you're someone who's never really done much with meditation or or paying attention to your thoughts it's mm-hmm. interesting to like see what comes up and you're like oh I didn't realize that that's what I think about or or that's what's on my mind actually you mentioned this
1: IHN made us like uh write or well we had to journal for a month and I was like I'm not gonna write about myself. Like, I I have nothing to tell. I go to school, I learn something, go home, do my homework, repeat, right? So I was like, there's nothing to tell. What else I gonna say? Oh, today I got tired on um what? Uh floor number four instead of floor number six. Oh, I don't know what I did. I'm I must have not slept or I'm out of shape or something. I don't know. I wasn't even sure what to write. I still like honestly, I don't journal. I don't know how. I find Mm -hmm. it silly, but I had to complete it because it was an assignment. I was like, I'm going to lose so much, like so much of my grade for this because I simply can't journal. So I started writing a story. Mm -hmm. I finished that story. Well, I didn't finish. Actually, I'm not done the story. I'm still trying to like write it, but I went through the 30 pages so quickly. I even went past the 30 pages and I just kept writing and writing. I'm still not done. Like I mentioned, so like one day I'll finish it. But I submitted my 30 pages way ahead of all my peers because I just went into a story. Whatever it was, I don't even remember. It's somewhere in my books now. But, like, Mm -hmm. I went through it. And that's what, like, got me through it. And one of the things that I was researching, a way to cope with certain emotions and express yourself, is through writing. So, for example, when we write about the future, we are actually writing about future stuff. So like maybe technology might be different. Maybe certain things might be different. But when you look at it, you start adding things about your current state, whether it be your emotions, the morals, and social norms. So the Jetsons, for example, or even the Flintstones. When you look at them, what are you actually seeing? You don't actually see things futuristic because the parents have the same roles as parents of that time era. The children still do things, as things of that era, certain values are still there, same with Star Trek. There are certain things that you know are cool and modern, but then certain morales and behaviors are still from the past mm. so it 's a similar thing, so when people write, you can actually learn a lot about the author. You can learn about how they view the world, their emotions, what they 're going through at that specific time, what things they value, and what they don 't value so when teenagers start writing whether it be journals or in this case, I know there's a lot of them if I start really young and start writing fan fictions, which has a bad rap, but honestly, they're not that bad. If anybody has read any and um, I will mention that there are actually novels out there that are super popular, such as paradise lost and inferno by Dante and then need and Romeo and Juliet and Othello, also by Shakespeare, which are mm-hmm. all fan fictions. So yeah, go ahead. write. Paradise Lost is about the Garden of Eden. Somebody really likes Satan and Adam and Eve and the Bible. They wrote about it. Might have been a little bit of self-insert, but whatever. Dante's definitely had a lot of self-insert. And he crossed over Fix. He loved Greek mythology and he loved the Bible. He mixed them both together and made his own version. And he put himself as the main character. The Aeneid, also by Virgil, who loved the Odyssey and the Iliad. Again, Greek mythology stuff. Put himself in there and did a few other things and made it slightly different. Romeo and Juliet. Shakespeare didn't have to do much. He took an actual story from somebody of a local area in Verona, in Italy, took it, He even kept most of the names, gave a little twist here and there, and created his own character, Mer- Mercutio? Mercutio in Paris, I believe, are the characters that he created? Yes, he created those two and changed it just a tad. And same with Othello. He just decided, you know, I like the story from this, I think it was from Venice, about a Moorish captain and had a whole, like, it was supposed to be like a fairy tale. So it's supposed to give warnings, right? Mm
0: -hmm. And it
1: was about like the Moors and all these things. And he took it and changed it and made it into a love story technically that's all fan fiction is and some fan fictions are way better I'm just talking about sparkly vampires there's Mm -hmm. a lot of other ones out there that if you just take the names out and put new character names in it's a completely different story and people are like oh my god this is so good blah 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 I'm like yeah sometimes you just need I don't know a comfort character to start your story and you're like well I really like I don't know Hades I really like Hades Okay, let's go with that. I mean, if anybody else reads Lord of Olympus, that's a fan fiction. There are so many stories based on Hades and Persephone, which is also one of my favorite stories and one of my favorite gods mm-hmm. that's been told over and over. And I'm not talking about Hercules. Disney's Hercules Hades. No, that's completely wrong. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things about that that is wrong.
0: Uh, yeah. I know you've said that before.
1: <laughs> yeah. And like we mentioned, like um, Disney fairy tales and stuff. So the fairy tales in Disney have been modified to fit modern era's thoughts. Because not all the fairy tales had happy endings originally. They have been modified, but they were meant to be the warning of the unknown, of going outside, of certain emotions, and things like that. Even like stories like Anastasia from Universal Studios. It takes an actual historical figure and some myths and legends that people like oh she may be alive she might be dead boom you get you know a movie had some little romance to keep it going for the next generation and and you got it
0: yeah and it's i think like we talked about writing in itself like writing is just so ther like it's therapeutic for the person who's writing it because they're processing stuff i think when they're writing and then mm-hmm. it's therapeutic for the people reading it and i mean not necessarily everyone reading it like I think that's why there's so much disparity in like what people like because Mm -hmm. they like what's speaking to them and it's yeah your what you write might it might just be for you it might speak to someone else and you just I don't know you never know and it's it's yeah there's there's a lot of power in writing I think
1: yeah and you can learn so much like Okay, right now I'm currently obsessed with Shanshan novels. Yeah, fair. I am learning so much about Chinese culture, especially ancient China. And I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know anything about this, right? So you can actually learn a lot about a culture, a lot about history through different stories. Like I learned so much about Greece and Rome through like mythology. And I've read the Iliad, I've read the Odyssey. I've gone through classes for it because I loved it so much. And I learned so much about Spartan history that's why when you know there's that the Spartan movie. I was like, oh, oh, or what's the other one? Three thousand? Oh gosh. There, there's so many movies that I come out and I'm like, Yeah. Mm, I don't like it no more. It's not accurate. Or like, you know, you, you start having those moments where you're like, Yes, I know what you're getting at. And then you're trying to make it appealing and all these things, but you got it wrong. And I'm gonna keep like, quiet because ah and then I go home and invent to somebody that understands, right?
0: but <laughs> it's interesting too how we get like a little bit attached to I guess it kind of goes back to the empathy but we get attached to these characters and these ways that we perceive these stories and then someone comes and changes it and it's like wait a minute that's not right
1: yeah and again it's like how that person sees it
0: mm-hmm. and it's like
1: can you accept that or are you just going to go back to the 500 different versions on the same story but just because they're ancient greece like stories and you've heard all of them and you've probably discussed all the different like reasons why they're all different that you accepted. Like even I, I myself have to be like, okay, tone it down. Is that one okay? Yes. Okay. What do you like about it, what you don't? Kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like the whole talking yourself, seeing it through other people's perspective. And there was another one. Oh one well, blanking right now, but let's just go with the other point that I had. Like have you seen Vikings? No. Okay, so that one has some historical stuff to it. So they do end up having an alliance with the French, and Normandy became part of, like, Viking territory. They did end up going to England. They obviously ended up in um, Iceland. That's where most of their genetics came from. And then um, they did end up going all the way downside. I think they ended up Africa northern part of africa i don't really remember i didn't finish the whole series but it does go through a lot of like historical points but as well it involves a lot of mythological characters and heroes so the main character which i forget his name right now is actually from uh, a myth or a legend and his son's actually supposed to be from another myth and legend same with his other son with his second wife so they, they like take history and they add myths to it to try to like make a new thing so like everybody always thought vikings had those like helmets like in how to train your dragon which mm. in reality they didn't wear that that was something the british created in order to kind of rate other people and be like oh it was the vikings mm. so you can learn a lot about different things without actually having to experience it or having to read a history book in a way
0: yeah it's true it becomes a little challenging though to like figure out I mean I don't know how important it is but to figure out actually what's true and what's not because even even like a history book that's still someone writing their interpretation of the events that happened so even
1: religious books are like that
0: though exactly exactly so it's like it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about how everyone sort of has their perspective on things and I think life's kind of about learning different people's perspective and you get like pieces of the truth as you go and then Mm -hmm. just like putting it all together because and stories help us do that and there's there's always like some truth to them but being Mm -hmm. mindful that it's like someone's version of the world and maybe is not necessarily the same as your version
1: um what was the other one? Oh, my favorite thing okay this sounds wrong but my favorite thing about when it comes to war so um obviously killing another human is really hard it is so ingrained in our in our minds a primal thing it's really hard for us to kill people and when we do do that we we feel gross we feel sick There's a lot of people who end up going through a lot of trauma. I mean, PTSD is there for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We're not meant to kill each other, but wars happen. And throughout histories, what do we always fight? Like a hero never really fights another human. If you notice, they fight a monster. They fight a demon. They fight these villains that are like super crazy. So like we have like the Joker, Maleficent, like wink wink notch notch that's why their movies kind of made a comeback because as adults we are seeing the empathy and reasons why they did things and why we shouldn't do certain things because we all go through things in our lives we're like oh i could just you know be successful and i don't know dispose of the body somewhere no this is like what happens right and Mm -hmm. um one of the main things that we do is we dehumanize those that we go against more so if you look at posters from world war one and world war two especially world war two You dehumanize certain people in order for you to be like, well, you're not really killing a person. You're killing the other. You're killing a monster. You're killing the unknown. You're protecting your people. So you create that. You break the whole empathy. You're like, they're different. I shouldn't have feelings for them kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And you see that a lot in stories. A lot of stories throughout history will be like, oh, yeah, no, so he killed this monster. I was like, oh, okay, but it's a whole clan. Oh, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is great for that. Look who they're fighting. Most of the time, they're not fighting the great wizard. They're fighting all the little orcs and things like that. So you have a lot of that, and the ones that look most human tend to be on the good side, not the bad side.
0: Ah. Yeah. Would you say that's, like, a downfall or, like, the shadow side of stories?
1: Hmm. Yes and no, but then again, how else were you supposed to protect your own people? Like, not everybody that comes knocking at your door is going to be like, yo, hey, do you have sugar? Uh,
0: Yeah, that's true. So it's, it's almost like a, it's very much a protective mechanism, not only to protect yourself against someone who might not wish you well, but also I think there's an element there to protect yourself against shame in, like, maybe something bad that you've done.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, you also have things like Little Red Riding Hood, what are they teaching, right? Well, there's some random stranger in the woods. People have discussed that usually the wolf represents a male, an older male, right? And Little Red Riding Hood is usually a young female. And in different versions of the stories, there's one part where, like, well, we all know the wolf gets dressed up like the grandma and, like, sits in the bed. There's different mm-hmm. versions of wonders. The wolf just eats Little Red Riding Hood, and there's some magically both alive inside his stomach. Um, There's another one where she kind of, like, doesn't really 100% stay. And then there's the last one where the wolf's like, why don't you come lay in the bed with me? And Little Red Riding Hood agrees to go lay down beside the wolf, as if it was a grandma, and they were going to read a story, because, like, it's supposed to be all about
0: sexual awakening
1: with mild consent. Hmm.
0: See, but my question is, why do, like, why do we make it a wolf? Like, why don't we just tell the story as it is? Like, you know, like.
1: Would you be really okay with, like, some random guy in the forest showed up and grabbed this little girl and was like, yo, let's you know, can I get it on?
0: Well, I mean, it's the truth. I, well, like, yes. it's closer to the truth.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know. Would you traumatize a child with that, though? I guess that's true. And like we all know wolves are actually more scared of humans than they are and they're not likely to attack us. But wolves are seen as these things that, you know, oh, they will attack. We we've analyzed a lot of like animals. So wolves, snakes. There's a bunch of animals that we do that to, right? Versus other animals that we're like, Oh no, you know, seeing a deer in the forest is like magical. They're a sign from I don't know. Diety or whatever versus oh there's a black cat or a crow somebody's gonna die
0: yeah i'm but i'm also like i'm wondering why we do that like why why is it more acceptable for a wolf to eat this little girl than to be like this man is not like it's not going to treat this girl well, you have to be aware of strangers, you know? Like, why, like, well, why does the animal make it more acceptable? And I feel like it kind of goes back to the dehumanizing thing where it's like, we I can feel it, like... deal with the no. the reality yeah. of it. So, we an animal,
1: I feel it's a mix of both. For all we know, the wolf could have been a symbol of a uh, a family, right? So you have people whose like a tree will symbolize their family line. Some that there's a wolf, like uh, Game of Thrones. You know, they have like the wolves of the North, the dragons for the other people, the lions, and I'm pretty sure I'm missing others. I never finished that, but you know what I'm talking about. Like it symbolizes your clan. So maybe somebody from the wolves tends to, you know like taking little girls with them kind of thing and it's kind of like a warning without saying yo so Bob over there really likes little girls so be careful kind of thing
0: Mm. so it's a bit of
1: like dehumanization but also sometimes there are things like masked in it because of social construct
0: yeah yeah I mean I I feel like I can see both sides so I think yeah I think when we use, like, these stories and animals and things I, to depict, like, certain emotions or, like, real, like, like, life things that don't change over time, it's mm-hmm. helpful because, like, a wolf will always be a wolf, I mean, unless they become extinct at some point, everyone will kind of know what a wolf is, mm-hmm. so it helps the stories kind of transcend time, I guess
1: yeah and like when things happen in the forest we all know what forests are we all know the forest can be dangerous because they're in the wild so when things happen in the forest you're like oh that makes sense
0: Mm -hmm. and it is fun to like have literature that like you can read over and over again and get something different every time because there's hidden meanings and like different representations and like whether or not the author intended for them to be there there's always girl
1: did you read my notes or something I had that exact same thing
0: oh really yeah we're on the same wavelength we clearly are
1: and it's true like you can read a story when you're a child read it again when you're a teenager read it again when you're an adult and so on and so forth and every single time you will find something else
0: Mm -hmm. you will
1: find something that you know clicks with you maybe your favorite character was originally the main character and now you're suddenly like really like the secondary character or the villain and you're like whoa I can understand why they did this or you can empathize with different characters or you learn something different that you didn't see before like I don't know how many of you guys sit down and watch like certain tv shows or movies that you loved when you were a kid and as you get older you're like oh I missed that or I mean yes sometimes you know they're funny haha or innuendos but other times it's like I didn't realize they were trying to teach this, and the child didn't pick up on it, but me as an adult notices like what they're trying to get at,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly, and i think I think that's so magical and beautiful that 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 we're able to create these things that like teach us for generations, and it's yeah it's yeah. pretty amazing sometimes though the rational side of my brain is like. Why can't you just tell me exactly what I need to know?
1: But that's the part of a discussion, that whole part yeah. that comes back to like interaction, social interaction. So like yeah. what we're doing right now.
0: Exactly. if our viewers
1: actually, you know, wanna like come in and be like, no, Little Red Riding Hood did not mean this or Hades and Persephone that or whatever stories we have touched upon, feel free to like come and discuss it with us. Like this is part of the story thing part of the mental health aspect and part of the community Mm -hmm. because humans are social creatures right and it's like oh well I don't agree with that or what are you trying to say with that story that comes back and forth and allows you to see other people's perspective and allows you to think outside the box using your imagination and creativity
0: yeah like oh my gosh as you're talking I'm just thinking of all the amazing things that stories do like so we have Writing the story, which helps you process emotions or things you're dealing with. And then we have reading the story, which, I mean, at the very basic is like entertainment and fills your time. Mm -hmm. And then we have discussing the story, which is like getting other people's perspective, like building empathy, which also reading the story does and getting a better understanding of life. And then we can read these stories over and over again, and they still teach us things. and like, at the beginning, it's probably started as a way for someone to just deal with what they were dealing with, and it has all of these other benefits.
1: Some people have said and theorized that you know the whole beginning of religion was due to mourning the loss of a loved one, and that's how it started trying to explain to others and to themselves that their person they lost actually is somewhere better but how do we know we don't know we have to use our imagination and create this whole other world where you know the spirits over there i mean some people are able to see spirits maybe it's not you know they just lost to somebody they actually be able to see them and they can explain the world from the other side but let's just go with that theory right Mm
0: -hmm. and then
1: um others have actually looked at the origins of many different religions and mythology. So like, if you look at uh, the first book of the Bible, the whole Garden of Eden, how the world was created, how things are explained there. Um, and then you look also at the different versions in Greek mythology of how the world was created. Native Americans, uh, well, each tribe is different, but I know about the turtle, and I also know about the raven. And then like you look at South America and different things, all the gods in many of the, all over the world, tend to have similarities. So you have a god for the rain or water. You have a god of earth or a goddess generally. You have different gods that represent different things. If you notice most moon deities tend to be female. Earth deities tend to be female. Water tends to be male. Like there's a lot of similarities and um you break down like why is there a tsunami? While you know you pissed off Poseidon. Why is there an earthquake? Well, you see, you made this God angry, and this is why it happens. Or, um, for example, things simple as I believe in the Bible there's a section that says you can't eat things with hooves or shells. I
0: don't
1: like, don't quote me, but that's why certain, um, I, don't, I think Christian or Catholic, I don't know, different part of that Catholic religion don't eat like things with hooves. So, like pigs or um, shellfish because originally that was meant to be like, well, we're in the desert. We don't have refrigeration. It has not been created. It's really hard to preserve and people get sick and they're not learning the lesson. Well, how do we do this? Well, God said, don't do this because then something bad will happen. And people eat it like, see, now you're punished by God kind of thing. And I'm just using that religion, not necessarily emphasizing the Catholic religion is bad or that this is how it's done. I'm just using it as an example. So we have found ways to express our environment and explain why things happen through stories.
0: I would almost argue that even like this, what we call science now is a story in itself too. Like we're... Why not? We're observing phenomena and we're making a story out of it. Like I just, I remember learning in undergrad and... Whenever, whenever I study science, like I remember making, making connections to like pathways, for example, and different pathways, we would make like this happens first, then this happens, then this happens. And like making, we're basically making stories to explain phenomena. And it's, we're doing the same thing, just now in different terms.
1: Mm-hmm. hmm I mean, uh, the Kraken, People have theorized about, like, what it looks like, and science has proven that there are giant squids living in the water. So for all we know, the Kraken is actually real. Well, Mm -hmm. it's been proven that it's real. But back then, it could have been the squid that kind of came a little too close to where humans were, not expecting it. And they're like, oh, my God, look at this massive thing. After all, we, like, with science now, we don't respect nature as much as we should. And when nature fights back, we're like, oh, my God, I did not expect that. People back then had less technology, less ways to be ready for when there's an earthquake, tsunami, a winter storm. They were not expecting it. When it comes and hits them, they're like, oh, the gods are angry at us or something, you know? So they have Mm -hmm. all these tales to, like, help them. Or, for example, the creation of mermaids. Oh, my God, that was one of the things I loved the most about the Myths and Monsters on Netflix I was talking about scalars out at sea and how quickly you can develop scurvy and other illnesses and how lacking vitamin C and other minerals causes hallucinations. And this is why you imagine voices, why you see things. And so people are like, oh, how do we explain instead of saying, you know, people die from malnutrition or went crazy from malnutrition. Oh, it was the mermaids.
0: Mm-hmm. They, you
1: know, they drowned them.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's funny, I know we mentioned this a little earlier, but it's funny how an explanation makes things so much easier to deal with. And it's like, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah, like, I see it all the time with patients too, where they're like, they're struggling with something and it's, and it's like, I just want to know what's going on. And once there's kind of a story to go with that, whether it's I, like it's like as soon as they get the explanation like maybe I'm tired all the time and it's like oh okay your iron's low it's like even before we start supplementing with iron just that like knowledge that oh there's a reason for it does so much for healing
1: yeah I feel we all have that we all really really have that whether it be mental physical spiritual healing we we all want to A reason why we are really afraid of the unknown, Mm -hmm. and um, and and if you see our stories, they reflect the fear of the unknown a lot of it. So, having a story, anything that will comfort us and help us guide us. So, like instead of having a manual, you have a story again with the whole hero's journey. It's step by step process on what to do, but it's made into a story, so it kind of helps us be like, yeah, no, I'm gonna be okay. I might have some rough patches here and there, but at the end of the day, I'm going to make it out on the other side. I will reach the resurrection stage.
0: Yeah. Stories are powerful.
1: Yeah. I mean, you are your the author to your own story, in a way.
0: You mm. are the main
1: character, which is something we often forget. We see others as main characters, but we are the main character.
0: Yeah, and we're very much writing our own stories like there's obviously there's elements that you can't control in life but like i think how you see your story going has such an impact on how it actually goes yeah you're that one player one you are in control of many things
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's actually a way of boosting confidence You would not, if you were player one in a video game, you wouldn't be like, "Oh, I don't know what to do," kind of thing. You take control. You do what you need to do. You, if you're doing the gaming with multiple people, you may be like, "Yo, what do you think I should do with this item or whatever?" But you do it. Same thing. Like you're your your main character. You're that protagonist. Just you know, gain that confidence. Go through the hero's journey. Do what you need to do to gain that confidence to succeed to be who you want to be
0: Mm -hmm. exactly and even just taking time to think and write about who you want to be because I think that's a question that a lot of us don't ask ourselves is yeah who do you want to be like what do you want your life to look like and how do you make that happen and and yeah you like you said you're You're player one. You're the one who can decide. You're the author. You can literally write a
1: story about yourself, how you want your life to be, and then go from there. You can experience, like, say I want to be a scientist that deals with, I don't know. No, let's actually go with something I actually don't know about. Let's go with space. Like, I want to focus on space. So you, you know, I would write myself, maybe not just me who I am right now, maybe I'll make myself like extra special and I don't know, change my hair, make it red and give myself freckles. there we go. Right. Like this is a new me. Mm -hmm. And as you actually start writing and you see what you need to do to achieve, you go through, you in a way you are experiencing it. You are doing the research. You're like, Oh, I was interested by space and planets. Do I really enjoy this as, you know, a career for myself? If the answer is yes, well, you know, you know, you're on the right track. If the answer is no, or, I know this happens to a lot of authors. It's like, you know, you start writing, you have certain points you want to reach, but the story starts writing itself. And suddenly, instead of being about somebody who wants to go to space, there's romance and adventure. And I don't know, they fall down this magical hole like Alice and they end up in a whole other reality. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's, you know, a part of you that you were trying to express yourself and you're like, well, yeah, maybe I am struggling with my romantic partner maybe um I want to escape my own world and go into a world of where nothing makes sense then I'm the only one that's trying to make sense of it, kind of thing right or this is exactly how I feel I feel like I'm in a world where nothing makes sense and I'm trying to make sense of it
0: yeah I stories can be used in so many ways they're very therapeutic mm-hmm.
1: and I think we've we've talked way more than we expected
0: yeah <laughs> as usual <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's, and, funny, well, it's funny that we were like I want to talk about Disney how do we relate that to health and then like as we're talking about this I'm like how do stories not relate to health mm-hmm. yeah it's
1: abstract way of
0: thinking about it but
1: that's kind of how it relates to health mm-hmm. and hey feel free to join us and talk about stories anytime clearly we enjoy it Yes. And if you have a new myth, story, legend, whatever, throw it our way. I'm pretty sure I have I'll make time to read it. I will.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, same. They're always so interesting and a good learning opportunity.
1: And if you know, as you're listening to this, you realize, oh, yeah, no, I understand where like this is going to or like you're like you disagree with our point of view. Feel free to come and discuss it with us as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We love to hear from you. And on that note, uh, thanks to our listeners. I I saw you posted the thing on Spotify. I don't know where you got that from, but since I added it to my story of people that have been listening to our podcast, I've been getting like pictures of like, I'm listening too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I got a few too. I'm going to post them on my uh, Instagram story very soon i'm so excited i'm so happy that i'm you know well we are part of everybody's like rap for the year
0: yeah it's so exciting is that what it is i haven't been on spotify in a while do
1: so yeah you your spotify up. you can find it
0: okay so it's like a year wrap, and it tells you what you've been listening to
1: yeah so it'll be like your top songs um what kind of like genres you've been listening to and if you listen to podcasts be like what are the top like podcasts that you've listened to these uh what themes you like like no surprise for mine <laughs> myths and legends are on there stories were also um on it <laughs> this is perfect you know for this thing yeah and like it goes through like different artists that you really like as well so
0: cool yeah so Ooh. thanks for listening to us it makes it i mean even if no one listened to us I still love these podcasts because I learn so much, but it makes it so much nicer when there's more people interacting and listening and we get to hear from, we get to hear different perspectives, different stories.
1: Yes, we hear different stories. We get asked different questions and it's nice to see what people's perspectives are on things and what they want us to talk about. Exactly. Well, what stories they want to hear from us, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we will be back next week. Well, no, we'll be back in two weeks to talk about periods and menstrual health with our guest speaker, Dr. Antoinette Falco. You can rate, comment, and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Share us on Instagram for your rap if we made it to the top three. <laughs> mm-hmm. Invite your friends to join our community and improve their health. You can follow us on our social media, Sweet Nutritionista, and
0: Alicia Senzendi. We'll be posting as often as we can. Thank you for joining us. See you next time and happy healing.